0: here's a message from ken Lavica. sometimes things just feel like a sure thing like it's all gonna work out like destiny is in your favor and then it doesn't and that's the case of dan mullen and the university of florida hit the open on your mark get set go
1: you are listening to ken Lavica live
0: Presented by FAU, MBA, and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up!
1: From the Anajar and the Bean Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN 1063.
0: It's really inconceivable how Dan Mullen in Florida didn't work. And it's not just that it didn't work. It's the speed in which it went from good to bad to really, really, really unconvincingly terrible. And that is the story of Dan Mullen in Florida. It's Ken Levick Alive here on ESPN 106.3. We are here on a Monday in the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, off of the comfortable Intracoastal. And it's Monday, and that means Theo Dorsey, WPTV, News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. Also hanging out is Christina Costanza. Tina, you're here on the home team, 3 to 5 every day here on ESPN 106.3. And making sure things run smoothly is Friday night. Lights himself, Stone Labanowitz, And so, Theo, Dan Mullen's gone just like that. And you and I have talked about it. Dan Mullen in trouble, having issues, things not necessarily going Florida's way. And then there uh, is the issues last week uh, where they're giving up a ton of points to an FCS team. And then there's the loss to Mizzou this week. And Dan Mullen, uh, he of the longtime... Gator Way, part of the glory years uh, approach, coming back, prodigal son of the program. And just like that, he's done. And man, was that quick. Like, that's whiplash stuff. How quickly that went from, man, things are good to, uh, there's no way we can come back from this. It's too big a hole. Weren't they in the SEC championship game like last year? Yeah. It seems like five minutes ago they were. And giving Alabama trouble. Yeah, making them sweat, giving them issues. And so this is really one of the all-time coaching flameouts that I can remember. A guy with all the hype, all the buzz, heralded higher, roundly applauded, very few detractors. And it started out so good and you could see that there was a path and you could see that wow, this is a dynamic offense. And then last year, they really got it rolling. SEC title game where they almost beat Alabama. But I can kind of see where things started to go wrong with Dan Mullen. And I don't think this is necessarily a football issue. It started as Dan Mullen kind of being erratic and weird. I don't know, Theo, if you remember last year, after the loss at Texas A&M, that was the first indication that we had that something might be a little off with Dan Mullen. When he postgame basically threatened the University of Florida administration into completely opening up the swamp in the middle of the pandemic oh, yeah. and saying, we need to sell out the swamp. I mean, it was strong words. It was weird. It was uh, sort of out of turn. Yeah, you're a highly paid head coach, but you going after your own administration in a bout of anger? It's not a great call no matter what job you're in.
1: Yeah, it was it was almost one of those backs against the wall things and it it started so early because that even in that season they ended up doing well, like it ended up yeah. kind of panning out well for him, but you can tell he felt a little pressure there and he was kind of trying to shift the focus from what their performance was to hey, Put some fans in the stands, and maybe that'll help us out. But it was
0: still a good team, and they still had a lot to play for, as we we saw. But then there was him inciting the fight against Mizzou at Uh, the swap. I've never seen a head coach do that, where he runs out to the middle of the field, and if you want to know why there was a fight between Florida and Mizzou last year, it had nothing to do with the players, It was Dan Mullen. He started that whole thing. Name me one other time, Theo. You in any sport, not just college football or even pro football, can remember a head coach Mm. sparking a fight. Well,
1: you got to remember that he wasn't a head coach that day. He was Darth Vader. Oh, that's so, right. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So you got to remember he was the evil empire. He, he was evil. Got yeah, it. He yeah. was just
0: channeling that. Yeah. You're exactly right. <laughs> he was
1: getting ready for his post game press conference yeah. col- holiday costume, but people don't remember. Yeah. When he dressed up as Darth Vader. So right, right. That's what that was.
0: Uh, he got that thrown back at him big yeah. time, uh, actually, uh, with Eli Drinkwitz, who uh, brought out a lightsaber yeah. uh, and put his hood up like a Jedi after Mizzou won this week. And when you're getting trolled by Eli Drinkwitz, it probably is time for you to, uh, to pack up and, and, and head out and then there was the show cause penalty that we learned Dan Mullen picked up when uh, he lost recruiting privileges for basically a full calendar year not ideal right not great right and then there's the loss in the bowl game last year where they get throttled and Dan Mullen says oh well we didn't have to be here didn't have to be here. I go thanks, Dan. I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad for our entertainment. You made sure that the Gators played football. Oh yeah, and before that, there's the uh, Marco Wilson shoe throw against LSU yeah. as well. So all of those things, and you're like Dan Mullen's kind of weird. Like Dan Mullen, some of the things he says and does—that's I mean, actually kind of like psycho behavior. Yeah. But it was fine because they were winning games. They lost a couple of close, close ones last year. But then this year starts, and you have the one close loss to Alabama. Then the bottom fell out. This was just bad football. He couldn't make a decision on a quarterback. And I honestly think that the final nail came a couple of weeks ago when leading into the Georgia game, he's at, or coming out of the Georgia game, he's asked about recruiting. He's like, ah, oh, we'll talk about recruiting when it's recruiting season. Mm-hmm. Buddy. That's not how it works. Not in the SEC, at least. You can't can't dodge a question about recruiting when you have, by the numbers, underwhelmed as a recruiter. In Gainesville, how is that even possible? And then it led to almost losing to an FCS team and then losing in overtime to Mizzou. I think Dan Mullen got fired more for just being flat-out weird and erratic than for anything that he did or did not do as a head coach. Like, that's what it sort of feels like to me. And I think Florida kind of had to go that route. Because you're not fixing that. You can fix things on the field. But if your coach is kind of weird. you're not, And that's fun Steve Spurrier weird. <laughs> yeah. But like detrimental. Uh, kind of crazy weird. You're not fixing that. Yeah and it was almost best case scenario. That
1: they lost to Missouri. Because if they beat Missouri. It's a little harder to defend firing him. You know. I wouldn't say today, but yesterday. And then also on top of that, if they beat Missouri and then beat Florida State, it's like it seems like he's ending the season on a good nose. So it almost worked out perfectly for anybody in Gator Nation that wanted him to go. And he kind of had to go at this point, right? It felt like that as the season started brewing along. It
0: definitely was sort of trending that way. And I think he eventually had more detractors than he did supporters. And Scott Strickland had to make a call, and he did. But look at this. 2018. 10-3 overall, 5-3 in the SEC. 2019, 11-2, won the Orange Bowl, 6-2 in the SEC. Last year, 8-4, 8-2, East champions, pounded Georgia, Mm. a Georgia team that has the same core this year that they had last year, and then 5-6, 2-6. I mean, just a precipitous drop, and I haven't seen very much like it. To me, Dan Mullen and this coaching flameout, whether you're talking college football, whether you're talking pro football, is one of the biggest coaching flameouts of all time. What is the biggest pro or college football head coaching flameout? that you can recall, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and tweeted us, at ESPN West Palm, what is your biggest pro or college football head coaching flameout? Theo, for me, it's Dan Mullen.
1: Yeah, I I can see that one. Obviously, that one also had a lot more promise than the one that I'm going to bring up. Okay. But it feels like you can pick, you can just, you know what, you can like put a map up of South Florida, throw a dart at it, and then pick one of those for what right now is going on. It <laughs> yeah, over the decades? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I have to go close to my heart. I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan, and I, for one, was psyched when Manny Diaz turned down the Temple job, came back to Miami, and decided to be the head coach after the turnover chain nonsense and after all of that. I know he's not fired quite yet, but it feels about over as quick as it started.
0: I think Manny Diaz is probably coaching his final game of his Miami coaching career at Duke this Saturday, so yeah. so let me let me just dissect that. So you you thought that Manny Diaz, who came in with high defensive acumen, and mm. that was a big hire from Mark Richt, but he had no head coaching experience. But you you thought that he, after six seconds as Temple head coach, being hired <laughs> back to Miami, you thought that that would translate to the ACC, and that he would come in in that job that can be a little bit toxic, and he'd be able. to to handle
1: it? Well, the main thing for me was it was twofold. Number one, I think to be a Miami Hurricanes head football coach, the main thing you have to be good at is trying to, I know you can't do it in 2021 like you could in the 80s and 70s and 90s or whatever, but trying to build that wall around the state, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, of Miami. uh, A la, you know, Howard Schnellenberger and what all of the great coaches did post him at Miami. But I felt like Manny Diaz had that relatability. It felt like players liked him. He brought out the turnover chain stuff. He had, like, the culture of Miami part down. Plus, he was supposed to be this defensive mastermind. And when he was the D.C., our defense was, like, great those couple of years. And we made some huge plays, uh, won some big primetime games. So, I was excited about the hire. Again, it wasn't as heralded as the Dan Mullen hire at Florida. But it was kind of similar, just offensive coach versus defensive coach. Yeah. And they're flaming out about the same time.
0: So, Dan Mullen's gone. Manny Diaz is about to be gone. Here in this state alone, these are some present-day, we're living in this time, all-time college football coaching flameouts. But I want to extend this to pro football as well because I think, for me, thinking about it, Adam Gase was one of the big all-time coaching Mm flameouts. Remember, he came as the mentor to Peyton Manning, maximizing Peyton late in his career in Denver, went up to Chicago. Jake Hutler had his best years as a pro with Adam Gase in charge of the offense with the Bears, helped lead the Bears to uh, really a pass of the Super Bowl before losing to the Packers at home at Soldier Field. Adam Gase was the hottest coaching commodity on the market the season that the Dolphins nabbed him. And they go to the playoffs in his first year, And after that, it was nothing but mediocre. Mm. And then more mediocre. And then more mediocre. And then just flat out bad. And it was time to make a change. Adam Gase is the reason that Ryan Tannehill, we never knew what he was. He was with the Dolphins for eight seasons, and we did not know what he was. To me, Adam Gase was a spectacular flameout that then carried up into New York. So much so, he was such a flameout here with the Dolphins that when the Jets hired him, we all asked ourselves, what the hell are the Jets doing? (laughs) Like, that's just... Abject nonsense. Why Why would they hire Adam Gase? And then he uh, he paid back the Jets in spades with, well, being a complete dumpster fire. Yeah. Like we told them. We tried to, as Dolphins fans, warn the Jets. Uh-uh. Nope. Red flags all over the place. And then he had the weird, twitchy-eyed press conference. And then he ruined Sam Darnold. And then wait, he wait, was no. fired.
1: Wait, wait, wait. He didn't ruin Sam Darnold. I want to I want to put a pause on that. As a Panthers fan, I think Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. I'm not going to put that on Adam Gates. Adam Gates did a lot of bad things. Sam Darnold did
0: his own doing. Uh, ah, so you don't yeah. think that he crushed Sam Darnold's ability to play quarterback earlier in his no. career as he was an impressionable young signal
1: caller. Look at Ryan Tannehill now and look at Sam Darnold. And I know it's not the best showing cuz Tannehill just had a bad game, but yeah. Tannehill is still a serviceable quarterback. Sam Darnold is still doing Jets Sam Darnold thing. So Adam Gase has a lot of faults in the NFL. Uh-huh. Sam Darnold, not one of them.
0: Breaking news Theo Dorsey defending Adam Gase. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. Who's the biggest pro or college football coaching flameout? 888 760 3776. 760 3776. Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm as well. Dan Mullen, he's up there. He's high on the Mount Rushmore of college coaching flameouts. This was a guy who was double-digit wins his first two years. This is a guy who goes to the SEC title game in year three and then can't survive year four. And I really think it's unlike any other coaching situation I can remember because Dan Mullen getting fired more for just being a flat-out weirdo mm. than anything. That, that That's what spilled onto the field. Yeah, It wasn't vice versa. Things were going good when he started turning erratic and turning into a psychopath. And that is what started affecting what was on the field, not frustrations boiling over because the Gators were playing poorly, and then he started getting standoffish and bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. It is really weird. And then for for Theo, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz, he was one of ours, a South Florida guy. Sure, he went to Florida State, but from South Florida, has the Canes DNA, born and raised, Cuban guy, coming to stand on the Canes sideline. And he's entering his final five days, mm. conceivably, as Miami Hurricanes head coach. I would have never thought that, man. Flame outs. Flame outs. Who are your biggest coaching flame outs, pro or college? 888 760 760 three seven seven six and uh, you know what's what's funny and we were talking about adam Gase, and we're talking about all these these coaching situations and i think tina can probably relate to this it's sort of like when you're in a relationship right and it's the new part of the relationship where there's the butterflies right tina the honeymoon the honeymoon stage, honeymoon stage yeah. where you see the person, and you get all dingly you're so and warm excited. inside. You're so
1: excited to see them.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, well, let's go to the dinner. Or even just a uh, a little sit-down on TV trace. It's special because you're together, and you're holding hands, and you're you're kissing on cheeks. And then like, you get past the first. All right, let's do this. Theo, what's your threshold to when the honeymoon stage ends? Mm,
1: mm. I, I be honest. Say, I'll be honest, though. I feel like the honeymoon phase in, uh, lasts longer with me than typical people. I oh, feel like the honeymoon stage really so depends. She full of crap. Well, like, I feel like the honeymoon stage, just it depends on the people. It does depend like, on the like, person. Like, I right, think Courtney yeah. Kardashian and Travis Barker are still in this honeymoon stage, yeah. and they've been together now for, I think, almost or over well, a year.
0: Courtney wow. is, I mean, she's hot.
1: Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh Whoa. She's, but she's, but doing she's
0: that lord. <laughs> I would say,
1: though, the honeymoon stage, like if you're dating, probably ends around like... Three months, yeah. four months? Yeah, see, I think that's a good, uh, I think that's months. a good,
0: no, I, it's six months? Give me six. six. Give me six. You're a keeper. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, know, I, I,
1: you know, I'm you know, i blushing. Thanks. <laughs>
0: yeah, that actually, that's uh, that makes me feel good because I'm with <laughs> Tina. Like, I think average of all my relationships, has probably been around three months. I think really that's Because you really start to get
1: to know them, yeah. and then you're just, you're seeing their true colors, you're yeah. hanging with their mm. friends, yeah. you know. I think it kind of ends around there. I
0: think in college football and pro football, the honeymoon stage is probably two years where mm. you either you either are like, you know what, that's not my life partner, or you're like, hey, I'm ready to propose. After year two, <laughs> you really generally know if you're ready to get on a knee or you're like, you know what, I probably should move out or, or you should move out or vice versa. Yeah,
1: because everybody deserves at least one year. Yeah. And
0: in year yeah, two is yeah. decision time. Yeah. One year, like that was something catastrophic that happened because if your relationship is an adult, if your relationship ends within the first like month, something catastrophic yeah. happened. A mistake was made or someone did something a little sketchy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So in pro football or college football for a program or for a, a, a franchise to say, yeah, this ain't it. After one year. That was, that was a bad match. Yeah. A bad match. Who was the biggest pro football or college football flameout? 888-760-3776. 760 3776 Ronnie is in Boca. Ronnie, you're on Kelnavica Live. What's up, Ronnie? Hey, the biggest flameout is Matt Patricia mm. with the oh, Detroit yeah. Lions. Yep, yep. I mean, the Lions go to the playoffs two out of three years under Jim Caldwell, and if Caldwell wasn't good enough. And Patricia, with his patriot way of the Midwest, mm-hmm. he just turned the Lions into a stock. And I like Dan Campbell. I think he's going to turn it around, but it's going to take him two to three years. You know, Ryan, and, you bring up an interesting point with Patricia because I think we can have this singular discussion and do an entire segment just on who's the biggest flame-out Isabella Czech disciple mm-hmm. who went on to become a head coach, true. right? Very true. Like, Bill O'Brien had a couple of years, but then that ended in uh, diving out of a plane without a parachute fashion as well. Appreciate the call, Ronnie. Because then Bill O'Brien wanted to take over personnel decisions, (laughs) and then the Texans got super, super bad. Yeah, I was like, that was
1: the worst decision maybe of his life, and I'm not sure all of his (laughs) personal. Of his life. Of his whole life. Yeah, taking over (laughs) the the personnel. And I, I think what happened with Matt Patricia was he had the pencil, remember? with the laminated play calling uh-huh. sheet, and he couldn't write on it. And I think he kept that pencil in his <laughs> ear so long and wasn't able to write on that laminated play sheet that that's what screwed him in Detroit. So let's not blame Matt Patricia. Get him a Sharpie next time. Yeah, get, a,
0: get him get him a Sharpie, a dry <laughs> erase, something yeah. to help that process. Can we can we be honest about something, too? Like If you're keeping a pencil or a pen behind your ear in this decade, like, Tina, <laughs> you're kind of a dork, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I don't. I, now, here's the thing with me, though, and why it never worked. I have large ears. I'm well endowed in the ear category, okay? There like, if, if there was a measuring system, I'd have double D ears, okay? <laughs> and Look. so I could never fit a pen or a pencil behind them because they kind of stick. It was It wasn't even that they were big. It's that they stuck out mm. a lot, too. So I don't have the tight fit. For a pen or a pencil to stick behind my ear. And so me, I'm judging other people who do that.
1: That makes sense. But you know what you could do? You wear a beanie or something that holds that ear down and stick the pencil behind Damn it. Oh. You know? After
0: all those years, yeah. I, you're right, I could have done that. The beanie action. I have bl- blown any chance <laughs> i ever had. You were in Chicago, too. I know. You could have
1: done the beanie. Nobody would have thought anything.
0: And I always wore a hat. You could have hit it. Those...
1: No one would have seen it.
0: I know. And I, I, I definitely wore a lot of hats in the winter because these big-ass <laughs> ears caught the wind in yeah. a big way.